0: So Acts, we are uh, still in the first chapter, uh, and last week we had our uh, introduction uh, uh, to it. And, you know, as I'm uh, reading this and studying it and preparing for it, there's so many important truths that come through uh, uh, here and helping us to understand who we are. You know, helping us to understand who we are, helping us to understand uh, our, our own calling uh, and, uh, and, and things of that nature, and, and what God is in the middle of doing. That's very, very important uh, for us to get. And I think sometimes, just like a lot of things in the Bible, we're so used to reading it that we, that we assume a lot of things, and, uh, I, and we skip over things. And we don't I, uh, uh, really I, uh, focus our attention uh, on the whole thing because, I, you know, my guess is, and I'm as guilty as anybody else, believe me, that, you know, you read something. Let's say we, we read, uh, we're in a Bible study. And I say, uh, would you read uh, the first five verses? And they're very familiar verses. And then I say something like, what does he mean there? Uh, by kingdom of God. I don't know, kingdom of God. (laughs) You know what I mean? But it's important that we understand what's going on and how people understood it, because that's how we get the most out of it. And there is a lot to get out of the book of Acts. Okay, so last week we talked about the very beginning of it. We talked about why it was written. We talked about uh, how it's related to the gospel of Luke. You can go back and listen to, uh, to, to all of that. Uh, and uh, what it is, and uh, what it isn't, in a way, and so. But but we will be weaving through a lot of material uh, as these weeks go by, and um, even some of what we said last week will will uh, uh, continue to uh, to come up. So we're up to uh, really verse four, but we need to say something about the very end of verse, uh, the very end of verse uh, three. So, uh, we see here, I guess since it's still toward the beginning, I'm going to start from the very beginning, where it says, the first account I composed, that's Luke, right, Uh, Theophilus, who he's writing to, about all that Yeshua began to do and teach, and that's the the gospel of Luke, right, until the day when he was taken up, uh, after uh, he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. And last week we looked at the very end of the Gospel of Luke and we saw where he does that. Okay, Uh, And then it says here, uh, to these he also presented himself alive after suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days, and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. So at the end of the Gospel of Luke, you read about Yeshua... Being with them, he's eating with them, he's resurrected from the dead, he's talking to them, uh, and we read a little bit about uh, a couple of sentences of of what he, uh, of what he said to them, and, and we'll look at that, actually, uh, in, in a bit, okay? I, but the question is, is when it says here, I, at the end of verse 3, it says, speaking to them the things concerning the kingdom of God. All right, so you have to go back to the Gospels and say, well, what were the kinds of things that Yeshua was teaching them about the kingdom of God? Okay, uh, and so uh, I thought a good place uh, that really is a very succinct, where Yeshua tells a number of parables uh, I is, and I probably should have looked up uh, Luke's version of it, but that's okay for our purposes today. But in Matthew chapter 13, we read uh, a, a bunch of parables, and they're all under the, you could call them the heading of them is the mystery of the kingdom. The mystery of the kingdom. And uh, what that means, mystery of the kingdom, isn't like, uh, you know, chiller theater mystery of the kingdom, okay? Uh, it means uh, things that had, uh, that had not been understood, and like new revelation that Yeshua is, is giving and it is really very helpful for us to understand. Uh, and, uh, and actually, in Peter's second speech, he will bring this concept out. So I, just briefly, we're not going to go through all these parables, but I, I once read a book. Uh, the author's name was George Eldon Ladd. And the name of the book was called The Gospel in the Kingdom. It's actually a, it's a thin book. But it was actually an eye-opener. Now, some of it, you know, uh, didn't work for me and for a number of reasons. But, but it was a, the big picture it was a real eye-opener uh, 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 for me to, to understand what Yeshua was saying. So this is where you have the famous parables. Famous ones like, you know, the sower and the seeds and the wheat and the tares and the pearl and the hidden treasure and the dragnet, you know, all of those. Uh, those are famous parables that Yeshua teaches. Well, they all are basically saying the same thing. Okay, they're all basically saying uh, the same uh, thing. Uh, basically, they're all teaching that the kingdom in its uh, in, in what's happening in the coming of Yeshua is going to run concurrent with this world, that the the entire, the entire whole world is not going to change right now, but that the kingdom is going to break in to this world. Now, when you read Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Joel and, and all of them, you definitely get the idea that when this happens, everybody's just going to know. It's just like an objective truth, and everybody's going to know it. The main thing about the this confusion, the mystery of the kingdom that Yeshua is explaining is that it's coming and it's like invisible. I mean, it's, it's visible and it's invisible. I shouldn't have said it just like that. It's visible and it's, it's, it's visible in people. It's, it's not visible, so to speak, to the naked eye. The world continues. After Yeshua rose from the dead, after his ascension, after the day of Pentecost, you still had Romans. Romans. You still had the occupation. You still had persecution. You still had people dying. You still had disease rampant everywhere. The world, by and large, didn't change. But yet, the uh, messianic kingdom, the Davidic kingdom, the Alam Habah, the world to come, had broken into the world. So that the future and the present now have a relationship. Okay? What these parables also teach is that, and this also was something kind of new and different, that this kingdom is going to be uh, rejected by the vast majority of people. It's going to be rejected by the vast majority of people. That's when, You know, you have the seeds that fall on this kind of ground. The seeds fall on that kind of ground. The seeds fall on this kind of ground. Uh, and ultimately, don't take. And so, Yeshua is saying to his disciples, don't get the wrong idea. Don't have the wrong expectation that now, uh, you know, I'm going to sit on the throne of Jerusalem, all the Romans are going to go away, and, uh, you know, there's matzo ball soup in every pot, and, uh, you know, everything's going to be just uh, fantastic. And it's the everything, uh, everything that the prophets have said is now, uh, you know, uh, uh, coming to pass. Uh, the wolf and the the lamb laying down together, and and you know, and and, and all that. So Yeshua is explaining that that's not going to happen, and then he talks about the wheats and the tares, you know, that you're going to have this intermingling of the light and the darkness, and uh, and that God will separate the darkness uh, uh, from the light, and uh, and all of that. Okay, so it's very important, I think, to uh, to understand. So when Yeshua is teaching them about the kingdom of God, that's, whole, that's one part of it. The other uh, part of it is uh, that uh, it is here, that, that he is the king. Uh, you know, that's kind of like the downside of it. The, the, the upside of it, it is a pearl of great price. It is a, a hidden treasure. And even though the world does not recognize it, it is indeed a hidden treasure. And a hidden treasure that indeed will grow. Okay? Uh, and, uh, and so that we, we uh, you know, sh- should not be uh, discouraged. And, of course, that Yeshua, uh, that his death and resurrection is, of course, uh, meaningful. Uh, and that he would be seated in heavenly places. Uh, and that uh, he is indeed the king, and that they would be empowered, and that they would even do greater works. So these are the kinds of things that, uh, that uh, he's telling them. In fact, well, I was just going to turn to the end of Luke, but we're going to save it for a minute. Okay, uh, so that, we have to start with that, okay? Uh, so for 40 days, Yeshua is... Uh, really, continuing to teach them about uh, you know the, the kingdom uh, of God, and remember, it is the Davidic, it is the revived Davidic kingdom, it is the Messianic kingdom, it is the Alam Haban, and so he's he's teaching them about it, uh, the mystery of the kingdom, understanding it in this in this way, uh, you know that the uh, kingdom would be ushered in not with. Uh, the overthrow, the overt overthrow of the world, but in humility uh, and, uh, and through Yeshua himself, and that his very life is the paradigm of the inauguration or the beginning of the kingdom. Here, he's the king, right? He is misunderstood. Uh, he is persecuted. Uh, you know, there are a lot of people today, if, if this was today, they'd say, boy, he really messed up. Or Satan really got to him because he didn't. He was not victorious. The world didn't change. He suffered. He was uh, held in contempt. He died a, a very ignoble death, right? Uh, and, uh, and and so uh, that, in a way, is how the uh, the kingdom, uh, uh, the reality of the kingdom, uh, is un- understood. Uh, and so it's important for us, as I said, for us to uh, to understand that, and that Yeshua, the day will come when uh, every uh, empire will be overthrown. You you know, uh, but Yeshua is is uh, now uh, building, inaugurating, uh, moving forward uh, with his kingdom. Uh, by the means of the good news and embracing uh, him in his life. And that is much of what uh, we see in, in the book of Acts. And so, by the way, that is why, see, this mystery of the kingdom, I think, although we might be saying, oh, Howard, I know all that. Well, you know what? Experientially, we all, I think, assume other things, or many of us assume other things. For example, if we wonder... Why is it that believers get sick and die from diseases who are really great people and, and, and we fast and pray and people still get sick and die, right? Why? And, and if we're scratching our heads and we don't understand it, we don't understand the mystery of the kingdom. We don't understand. You need to go back and read Matthew chapter 13 uh, because you need to understand that the light and the darkness live together, that, that we as Messiah followers are not taken out of the world. We live in this dark world as children of light and we are susceptible to whatever everything this world throws at us. The difference is is that we have hope. We have real hope in Messiah Yeshua and have, you know, a, a sense of a life forever because when we embrace the Messiah and he comes to dwell within us, not only does our outward worldview change, but inwardly our sense of time changes. You know, this is not all there is. Even in Judaism, this is a, this is a, a basic truth, believe in, in Judaism. In fact, uh, you can find in very famous passages, not obscure passages, but very famous passages, that this life is the vestibule of the world to come. This is like the doorway right? Uh, and, uh, 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 and so this is not all that there is. Where there is no hope is to say that our hope is in that this world gets to be a better place. That's the, pr- you know, that's where there's really not hope, right? Uh, because the track record of this world and the kingdoms in it is not very good, Okay, because no one has figured it out. No kingdom in this world or empire of this world has figured out how to live in tranquility and change the whole world to a, you know, to a peaceful, uh, nurturing uh, place. Only, uh, only a God's uh, a kingdom, right? Uh, and so when Yeshua came, he had to explain the nature of the beginnings of this kingdom, and that is what he is explaining. To the, uh, to his disciples. And now we'll see how they understand that at this point while' they're, while they're waiting, and then we'll see how they get it after the ruach is poured out. because there's a definite difference in how they understand it all before and how they understand it after, okay? So so that's when he says, speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God, how it would be ushered in, the nature of it, uh, the victory of it, the fact that he's the king, the fact that he'd never leave them, uh, and so on and so forth, right? Uh, while at the same time, uh, you know, they're going to bring you before the authorities and they might flog you and, and uh, you know, and, and bad things indeed can happen to very good people. We should not be surprised, Uh, but uh, uh, like Yeshua, uh, we have a glorious future. We have a glorious uh, future, and how important it is for us to hang on to that in the midst of whatever's going on in this life, okay? All right. Now it says here, um, "...and gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised." which he said you have heard from me. For John baptized or immersed with water, but you shall be immersed or baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Okay. So if you go back now, if you go back to Luke at the end, we read here, he opened their mind, in verse 45, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Messiah should suffer and rise again uh, from the dead the third day, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sin shall be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. We're going to come back to this. Okay? Uh, and behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Okay? And, uh, and we can stop there. So he says that to them there. Now, here at the beginning of Acts, uh, he uh, he repeats. Luke repeats what Yeshua said. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which uh, he said you heard of from me. Okay. So what did the Father promise? And what did uh, what is it uh, that uh, Yeshua uh, uh, talked about? Okay. Well, what the Father had promised, of course. Uh, We can turn to a couple of uh, passages. Uh, One is uh, in Joel. Okay. Now we'll look at this again, of course, when uh, uh, when uh, it's preached by uh, Peter. Joel chapter two and verse twenty-eight. And it will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. We will see those last two words on all mankind. Uh, those three words are very important a little bit later on. And it will come uh, about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. Uh, And even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And I will display wonders in the sky and on the earth, blood, fire, columns of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness, and the Moon into blood before the great and awesome uh, day of the Lord uh, comes. And it will come about that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be delivered. Uh, For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape, as the Lord says, even, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. Okay. So what the Father promised in our context here is this pouring out of the Spirit of God. The pouring out of the Spirit of God that this was, the, um, this was the atmosphere, this is the environment of the uh, Olam Haba, okay? The pouring out of the Spirit of God, the presence of God everywhere in a palatable way that, that is unlike uh, uh, anything that, that the world, you know, has ever seen. Uh, and it includes everything that we could ever think about, about what the world to come will be like. The peace, the fulfillment, the tranquility uh, of it all. Being in the presence of God, like we sang that, you know, in your presence. Uh, but it will be like everywhere in the world, the the, the pouring out of the Spirit. And, and rather than the world being a place of uh, great difficulty, the world becomes a great place of great blessing. And uh, much like, you know, we read about it before the fall of man and, you know, in in the garden, all of that. Then we read in another place. Uh, we read, uh, and that's in Ezekiel chapter 36. Okay? In Ezekiel chapter 36, here we read about um, how God would bring uh, Israel back from the four, the Jewish people back from the four corners of the earth, back to the land, and, and, uh, and here they would, he would cause them to walk in his ways. And cause them to fulfill their calling to be a blessing to the world, to be a light to the world, right? So it says in verse 27 of Ezekiel 36 and I will uh, pour, uh, or I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. Okay, so here he's saying very specifically uh, uh, to Israel, that I am going to put my spirit within you and you're going to walk in my ways and, and you will fulfill the calling that I've given you. The whole chapter is about Israel. The whole chapter is about how Israel sinned and, uh, you know, profane the name of God and God is going to be faithful to his covenant and he's going to bring them back to the land and he's going to put his spirit in them and cause them to walk in his ways, right? Then there, there's, you know, there's other places too. Uh, But we can look at one of them, and one of them is in Isaiah. And this is one that we don't usually turn to, but it actually tells us something kind of important. It's in the 32nd chapter of uh, Isaiah, I believe. Yeah. All right, you can read the whole chapter. I'm not going to take the time to give the whole thing, but just verse 15, 15 to 20. Okay, he's talking about in that day. You know, whenever you read in that day, it's the days of the Messiah. In that day, the day of the Olam Haba, the day of the kingdom, the day, the day of, 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 of that we're all looking forward to, and so on. So he says, Until the Spirit is poured out upon us from on high, and the then he's going to describe what it's like, and the wilderness becomes a fertile field, and the fertile field is considered as a forest, then justice will dwell in the wilderness... And righteousness will abide in the fertile field. And the work of righteousness will be peace. And the service of righteousness, quietness and confidence forever. Then my people will live in a peaceful habitation. And in secure dwellings. And in undisturbed resting places. And it will hail when the forest comes down. And the city will be utterly laid low. How blessed you will be when you sow beside all waters... Who let out freely the ox and the donkey. Okay. So he's saying that wow, the whole world, when the spirit of God is poured out, the whole world is going to be turned upside down and changed. Okay? Okay. And so uh, in all three places, when we read about the Spirit of God being poured out, okay, and he talks about in those days when the Spirit is poured out, that's the, re- that's the resurrected Davidic kingdom. That's the Messianic kingdom. It doesn't have to say kingdom in all the passages. It's the Messianic kingdom. It's the Davidic kingdom. It's the Olam Haba. In none of those passages do you get the idea that, well, it's going to be sort of like piecemeal, you know, uh, or that it's going to be like uh, this slow process, and the world is not going to change, yet the people who embrace the Messiah uh, will will be changed. This is the mystery that we understand, okay? I will say that in... Frankly, and it's amazing that in rabbinic literature, there is a somewhat of an understanding of that. There really is. It's called, you know, uh, you take upon yourself the yoke of the kingdom. Uh, the world does not change, but you change personally when you live under the authority of the Shema. And then there's the national kingdom, then there's the universal kingdom. And it is similar, similar teaching, but not the same. Uh, but as uh, Alfred Edersheim, a Jewish believer who lived about 100 years ago, said, to paraphrase him, you know, the reason it's kind of similar is because you're coming out of the same pool. You know, you're coming out of the same teaching. You're coming out of the, 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 the Tanakh. And this is what they come out with. But they don't have the reality of, of, the, of Yeshua and, and that new revelation that he gives us in Messiah. Okay? All right. So we see uh, here, uh, that's, that's what, uh, that is that's what uh, the Father promised. Now, Yeshua, when he talks about this, he talks about it a little differently. He talks about it much more personally. He talks about it not as, uh, in their lives, the, the promise that they're waiting for to bring a universal change, but to bring help to them as, as Messiah follows again, in the context of this mystery of the the kingdom, that the kingdom is is coming and it's being ushered in by Yeshua himself via his death, resurrection, and ascension. Uh, But it's only going to affect the people that follow the king. See? And and so what he is going to do, Yeshua, is talk about the pouring out of the ruach as it affects people that embrace him. Okay? Okay? So you are probably familiar with these passages, and I'm just going to quickly maybe read... Oh, no, I'm not. I'm just going to tell you. Uh, in John 14, right, we read about the helper. And we'll. Cont- the good thing about going through a book, we can always come back to it, okay? Uh, uh, that the helper would come, right? The helper. Uh, uh, we like to say, we call it the... the, the as we say it in the English way of pronouncing the Greek word, right, the Paraclete, right, uh, Paracleteo, the the helper, the mediator, the intercessor, uh, the one who stands beside, you know, next to us and helps us all along the way, and that is what he is called over and over again. It's very interesting. The helper, the helper, the helper, right? Okay. In fact, God calls himself the helper, right? in uh, the book of Genesis. Very, very important, right? Uh, and that's uh, important for us to know, okay? Because the Spirit has a, a personality. Uh, just like Yeshua uh, is the, uh, you know, the, the incarnation of God, the, the uh, Spirit, uh, now that Yeshua is at the right hand of the Father, and the pouring out of the Spirit uh, it is through the Ruach that we experience the presence of Yeshua. Just as it's through Yeshua we experience the presence of the Father, it's through the Spirit that we experience the presence of the Father and the Son. Okay? And so just as the Son has personhood, so does the Ruach have personhood as well. But that's another story for another day that, that we will see. But He is the Helper. And what do we read? We read that they would not be abandoned. Abandoned. In fact, in John chapter 14, where he says, I'm going to send the helper, in the same breath, he says, behold, I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you. And if we're going to get real technical, we'd say, we experience the presence of Yeshua via the ministry of the Ruach. And so if you are ever in a gathering where people are talking about the Holy Spirit, but you feel like, uh, where's Yeshua in this picture? there's maybe a little bit of a misunderstanding because the purpose of the ruach is to be the way that we experience Yeshua in our lives. He is the king. Okay? Very, very important uh, for us to get. And that is exactly how Peter preaches this. After the pouring out of the Spirit. After the pouring out of the Spirit, Peter actually doesn't talk about the Holy Spirit a whole lot. (laughs) He talks about Yeshua, and Yeshua is the King, and repent of your sins, you know, and so on. And we'll see, we'll see this, uh, and so it's very clear, you know, from the text. So Yeshua says he's going to send the Helper. The Helper is going to come and encourage them. Uh, he's going to teach them all things. He's going to bear witness of Yeshua, uh, and uh, very interestingly. He's going to affect the world. How is the Ruach going to affect the world? Well, I will probably have to save that for next time because that's too much. Okay. Uh, I, And so, you know, I think we're just going to stop right there. I think we're going to stop right there. Uh, and that next week, I, uh, you know, I actually, see, this is how I... This is how I roll. I actually thought we'd get through verse eight, okay? okay so uh, anyway, what we're going to talk about next we're still not getting to what their expectation was. We may have to wait till after the conference for that. but we need to understand why it is that of all the passages that Luke decides to quote about the uh, coming of the Ruach, he quotes the one he basically doesn't quote Yeshua. he doesn't quote. Uh, I just thought it was kind of interesting, just in closing. You ever wonder this? In Acts 1, when he says here, which, uh, you know, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said you heard, he said you heard from, uh, of, from me, okay? He doesn't quote anything from like John 14 or 15 or 16 or 17. He doesn't quote Yeshua. He actually paraphrases what John says at the beginning of Yeshua's ministry. Isn't that kind of interesting? Yes, it is, <laughs> okay? Because it, it actually is, uh, it is uh, actually very important why he does that. For in verse five, he says, "Is it which you heard from me, for John baptized you with water, but you shall be immersed." or baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. John is the one who said, I baptize you with, with water. But the one who comes after me, he's the one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And when and when you read the word baptize in relationship to the Holy Spirit, almost every single time, it's in relationship to John. John baptized you with water. The, the one coming after me will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And that is exactly how Luke... Brings this in the beginning of the book of Acts. He goes all the way back to the beginning. And that is very, very significant, as we'll see next time. All right? So, what is the takeaway for today? The takeaway for today is that, wow, you know, uh, Yeshua uh, came to uh, inaugurate this kingdom. And let us remember that uh, no matter what our station in life is, no matter what's going on in our uh, life, Uh, We are sealed and secure in Messiah Yeshua. And we indeed have uh, a terrific future. Uh, And let it never be said that, oh, I'm suffering today because I'm spiritually deficient. No, I would say you're suffering today because you live in a a world that is filled with sin and the ramifications of it, uh, just like Yeshua did, you know? I uh, and uh, we I uh, have the fellowship of his sufferings. I uh, and recognize that because he was raised from the dead, we have that indeed we have that future as well. And so may we be encouraged with the living hope, the presence of the future today. Let us understand the mystery of the kingdom and let us understand that we uh, have a, a, a calling uh, to live in it, in God's kingdom, in this world, and to make a difference in it. We'll be talking more about that uh, throughout the, uh, the weeks. All right, let's pray. Lord uh, God, uh, we uh, pray uh, that we might understand, Lord, uh, the mystery of the kingdom, that we might understand what Yeshua talked to his disciples about, so that they would not have misunderstanding, Uh, of uh, what it was going to be like. And Lord, uh, we thank you, uh, God, that as Yeshua taught his disciples that what they needed to preach was repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And so, Lord, may we preach that message, repentance for the forgiveness of sins. May we have the assurance, may every single person here today have the assurance of the forgiveness of sins and that they are right with God and sealed and secure in him as we live uh, in him, and trust his promise. And Lord, may we not base our spirituality on the world, on the darkness of the world, Lord. But we pray that as we walk as children of light, we might expose the darkness by our walk in the light, Lord. And uh, uh, God, we thank you that you never leave us, and you never forsake us, Lord. And you are indeed our helper always. And we pray and thank you in the size name.